Hello and welcome to the Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rhodes. And on today's episode, helping to define what it means to be human in the digital age, seeing God move in higher education, and is there opportunity for the church in the metaverse? Kenneth David Wade is a writer from Washington, Pennsylvania, interested in Rust Belt literature, hip-hop, and speculative fiction. He earned his MFA from the Helen Zell Writers Program at the University of Michigan, where he won a Hopwood Award for Best Novel. His fiction has appeared in Electric Literature, Kenyon Review Online, and Quelly Journal. His nonfiction has been published in Brevity. He lives in San Diego, California, where he is the program director for Hope Leadership Academy, a Christian nonprofit ser- serving San Diego's fatherless youth through after school programming, mentoring, and outreach. He is currently working on his Master of Arts in Theology at Fuller Theological Seminary. You can find him online. His ha- uh, Instagram handle is at K David Wade. Once again, that's at K David Wade. David it has been a great friend of mine for many years. Uh, as you'll hear, we've actually known each other since uh, before either of us were Christians, <laughs> and uh, and we so we grew up together uh, a little bit in in our high school years, and uh, became friends. And later, uh, both of us came to know Jesus, and then we became uh, brothers in a sense, and uh, and have really. Uh, been through each other's journeys. We've been in each other's weddings uh, as as each other's best men, and uh, it's been uh, quite a wild ride. <laughs> so um, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. This conversation is very different than what I even expected going into it. Um, the the topics and things that we got into uh, were were just so different than what was originally planned. Uh, in my head, at least, and uh, I think God took it a little bit different direction, and you'll get to see into the mind of of David a little bit, and also just like our relationship, because this is the stuff we talk about. So this is giving you a little bit of a glimpse into our world uh, when we have phone calls and we catch up and just hear how each other is doing. This is the stuff we just start to talk about about the future and where things are headed and interesting things we've heard about and art and different things. So I think you're really going to enjoy this one. If, uh, if you can, I, I really would, uh, it would really be helpful if you can share this with your friends, uh, post on your social media, the more you, you do that stuff, the more you help get this out to other people and, uh, get it out around the world. I, I think we, um, our organic outreach is, uh, on social media and the opportunity there is much greater than we believe. And uh, just from the limited uh, posting and things like that that I've done personally and that other people have done, we have reached multiple nations. Even with our last podcast, we had two new nations, uh, which is just, it's incredible um, that we've got people now listening in the Dominican Republic and uh, in Bosnia. And it's just uh, the, the podcast is growing. The outreach is growing. So thank you. Please continue to share it. Make sure you leave reviews. Um on uh, any any podcast app that allows you to leave reviews, leave a review that'll help us show up higher in the search uh, the search bar when people look for our podcast. Also, if this podcast has uh, has impacted you in a way, or if you love this podcast, would you please consider 
a one-time uh, or monthly gift of support that that'll help us sustain what we're doing and grow it so we can continue to stir others up uh, and and hunger for Jesus and and for the real the real thing the real kingdom and we want to continue to do that and give give people hope all over the world so um, if you'd like to do that you can go to firemovement.com slash support once again that's firemovement.com slash support Okay, we're going to jump into my conversation with David Wade after a quick sponsor segment. Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you got to go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly and you don't let anything else stop you, and if you'll, if you'll align yourself with who you are as a son or daughter of God, there is nothing that can stop you. This is the Fire Podcast. Well, I'm here with my guest uh, and good friend, David Wade. Welcome to the show. A pleasure to be here, sir. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, so David and I, as you heard in the intro, we go we go way back. Uh, and I always like to kind of like start with like how we know each other. Um, so I don't know how much or how open we want to be with some of our stories, but it would be. <laughs> I mean, you really don't have anything to, you were just more like, because you were pretty straight laced, you know what I mean? So you would show up to these, you would sneak into the college parties but you wouldn't do anything. So I've, I've said too much already, Pastor. <laughs> yeah. So how how do we know each other? How do we meet? So we met in high school. I transferred to Harvest Prep my junior year. That's uh, when I met you and Jasmine Tate and Blaze Johnson and Nick Hawthorne and a bunch of people. Um, and I think we became friends junior year, probably. Like we became friends that year. Yeah. Um, and then... But neither of us were following Jesus at that time. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> but we had little revivals. We did I will say, like... yeah. The, I always think it's so funny. There was like this, like, I went to like seven altar calls at World Harvest because I had my Aunt Penny for me to go to church. <laughs> I'd be like really convicted. Uh, but there was one week where like, I don't know, like Jasmine and some people were like praying during like lunch. Our, do you remember this? Like we'd fast and pray during lunch. It was like this one week where I was saved, and like I invited you to come, and you were like, "I'm not ready." And then like, <laughs> so dramatic. Do you remember that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I remember like, yeah. Anyway, so it's crazy. Then, from my recollection, you started following Jesus. 
like a year for, after we graduated but um, yeah well i had a week i think it was like three weeks after that then i had a week yeah where i was like really following jesus for yeah. a week <laughs> <laughs> what a safe so space it was you know like to just yeah. explore the faith <laughs> yeah I yeah remember, we, we were friends i i think I think my first memory of you was actually sitting in, I believe it was Dave Dorman's class. Okay. And I remember, uh, I remember which classroom it was. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was his class, though. Okay. Like, I remember locationally where it was. And I remember all the the chairs and everything were facing towards the door. Yeah. Um, which was not the normal setup of it. Uh, but for some reason, it was set up like that. And I, I remember, I think it was you and, uh, oh, I won't say who, but I think you and somebody else almost got into it um yeah i remember that too i remember like that was like my first day like my first week there and i just come i mean big part of my testimony is like you know i I came to live with my aunt tammy um having like a week before just been like selling a ton of drugs dropped out of high school doing stuff on my own all that to say like i was not in my headspace i was still very much like ready to fight people like at the drop of a dime and i wasn't used to like a more like football oriented school or something you know what i mean like (laughs) and so i don't know i just like felt like yeah it was intense there was a lot of intense things that happened like early on there for me just adapting to being like in a private christian school having just come from where i came from so but yeah i do remember that very clearly yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah we uh and that's when you were rapping and... Yeah, Nem did what? You know, Nem did it. Uh, it's just so, don't you feel now that we're 31, like you've lived multiple different lives? Do you ever feel like that? <laughs> it feels like that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. I was rapping uh, and uh, I had mixtapes at that time, I think, because like, mm-hmm. uh, well, you know, Jesse, I won't say his last name, but like, I think Jesse like bought my mixtape for $5 and like, was like, no, this is a, like I was still selling like hard copy CD mixtapes to people, which is hilarious looking back on it now. It really is. Yeah, but I was such a good rapper, man. Oh my gosh. <sighs> I remember so, taking you to somewhere to record. I, I don't remember where it actually was. And um, I, I have videos still somewhere really? on my hard, yeah, on my hard drive. Dude, I need a, uh It was like Sunbury Road or something like that, right? Like Sunbury Court. Yeah. Like the older dude was. I remember that man. Uh, that's crazy. I'm trying to think of the dude's name right now. I can't remember it. But like it was in some dude's basement, like in this sort of like townhome, right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. so crazy. You got videos of that? I do. Yeah, what? I found yeah. a bunch of stuff uh, when I got this new laptop at the beginning of the year because yeah. I had to move everything from my other laptop, and so I pulled out my old hard drive to put everything on on that uh that hard drive wow. and uh yeah there was there's that there was videos of um yeah other stuff okay. <laughs> so that sounds very suspicious the, there, uh, well there's that you remember rapping in uh there was a some uh college seniors at ohio state their house remember the, the house yeah. with the deer head in the wall and i don't remember the was, deer head I, I have a picture of the deer head too but like it was just a hole in the wall that okay. somebody had put a hole in the wall and then they just put a deer head <laughs> <laughs> it's the one that was like we got into it because they were playing old greg or something and anyways i remember like the guy the one of the guys was drunk and playing electric guitar and you were rapping to it if you have that video send it because i don't 
I mean, like that's that sounds like a an amalgamation of memories. You know what I mean? Like, I think one time it was like you, me, and uh, our good British friend, and we were trying to like, I think we told some people at one of these Ohio State parties that like. I was a famous rapper because you had a camera maybe. <laughs> and like the girls were like, rap right now. And I rap and they let us in. And we were like 17. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, we... a... oh, go ahead, go ahead. And then go on. I was going to say a positive, like another memory is uh, the time that we snuck into the Pickerington school's like news footage. <laughs> Do you remember that? That comes up on my Facebook timeline still. I just I just showed that to a couple friends here, wow. and I don't know why it came up, uh, but it's still on Facebook. Yeah, and which will not probably be there by the time because I'm about to erase everything for sure. Before I was like, oh, I want to keep these memories, and I don't care if people see where I came from. Now I'm like, yeah. it's like a whole new life out here. And I'm like, I'm getting rid of everything, <laughs> like cancel culture and everything. I probably should for uh, sure. For sure. <laughs> get rid of that. Yeah. But yeah, are you going to those... like delete your whole Facebook or are you going to just, because I've done this where I've downloaded like all of my files. So I have it on my computer and then they're really tricky. You'll say delete, but it'll be like, you have 30 days. And then like day 24 comes around and you're like, ah, I might as well just get back on there. And then it starts the cycle all over again. And it's really like hard to try to like delete everything without deleting your Facebook. So I don't know what's your, what's your strategy because I haven't found a successful one. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I'm I'm almost done with Facebook. To be honest, I've been yeah. I've been really thinking about it. Um, you know, hopping on the TikTok and then I'm already on Instagram. So wait, you're you're gonna make TikToks? I'm well, thinking yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I I I feel like the um with the algorithm and stuff like it's it, it's there's nothing it's unparalleled. Like mm. the fact that you can put out a video and have millions of views mm-hmm. like really quickly. Um, I mean, obviously you got to gain some popularity and stuff, but like Instagram hides everything, mm-hmm. Facebook hides everything and, uh, YouTube even it's like, it's, it's not, it's very difficult to get to a million views on YouTube. Oh, wow. TikTok, like you can do it. Nobody's are, are doing it, you know, yeah. and getting their stuff out there. So that's the reason I'm considering it is like, yeah. I think that that's where Gen Z is and like, it's full of some of the most confusion and it, yeah. have you ever watched the lives on there? Like, I've not watched a lot of lives, no. People literally just sit on there and do seances and Whoa. Um, tarot card readings and psychic readings. And like that's mm. like a lot of it on there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and so it's very spiritual. And so I'm like, well, as much as I hate all social media, I'm like, mm-hmm. if, uh, if somebody's going to be speaking on there, it might as well be a believer. So, yeah. For sure. I'm considering it. That's what's up, man. I just like, I love watching the like YouTube versions of them. I get like sucked into the little holes because I like the funny ones, like the comedies and stuff. Yeah. Um, like, and they're just so ridiculous. But yeah, like I, I, I kind of feel like, am I going to be the old guy getting on Facebook? Like how I felt like when my parents got on, you know what I mean? It's not, yeah. it's not the same, but I'm just trying to figure out what kind of content I would actually put on like the one minute video type. Which I feel like is easier for you because you have like all kinds of stuff you could put in there, like whether it's like little like speeches or clips from the yeah. podcast, things like that. Yeah. Well, that's the, the videos that I'm working on. That's it, you can do up to three minutes, and mm-hmm. so it's kind of it's kind of perfect for something like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm seeing what I'm seeing so far is the people who are super churchy, mm-hmm. um, 
there's i mean that's kind of a niche thing and like there's some people that really are into that and like the stop let me pray a blessing over you mm-hmm. blah, blah blah you know it's like mm-hmm. um but for the most part that doesn't do as well the people who are just like raw and real like yeah. if you get on there and talk about a time that you almost committed suicide mm-hmm. it'll skyrocket like really? that that video yeah so there's there's stories like that that i'm like you know one of our podcasts uh the, the round table I did with Justin Allen, Andres yeah. uh, Brasuela, and um, Vince Kinnegraj, like two of us in that, Justin and I basically opened up about being suicidal at some point during ministry. Mm. And like that got more feedback than anything else I've done. Wow. And, and more people got set free of stuff. Like literally people talking about as you talk, something lifted off of me, like wow. having people reach out to us all because we were vulnerable. So yeah. I think that, I think Gen Z actually really appreciates that and that's where they're at. So yeah, I don't know. Plus I don't think we've, I don't think it's at the point of like Facebook, Facebook began to die when the late adopters all jumped on, like in the adoption curve, if you know mm. about that. So there's like early adopters and then there's like the people who kind of as as time goes on, they'll join. And then there's like the late adopters that really late in the game, they might jump in. Mm. And that was like most of our parents. Mm-hmm. And but by the time they jumped in, it was like it was towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and Facebook, like most of what Facebook would be had already been established. Now we're moving into metaverse and all that. But I, I mm-hmm. think like. TikTok is still so early yeah. that it's like, I don't think we really know what that medium's going to be yet. Right. And Instagram's going towards video as well. Right. They announced, so they're actually going away from pictures and it's going to be a video platform more yeah. than anything. So, I mean, that's a good point. I talked to a guy who works at uh, the Bible Project and they're putting a lot of their resources into like TikTok and these shorter videos now because they said like they did a one minute video and in 24 hours it did more than their best like their biggest video on youtube of all time in 24 hours and i was just like oh snap you know what i mean and so but they're excellent because their whole thing is like telling these interesting stories via like essentially like poetry and art Mm -hmm. in a short so like they they just the video that you showed me that was the one that did that fit the format perfectly and uh so you're right man You, you have a massive amount of reach i don't know what the like uh retention would be right of like because mm. i just scroll i just scroll i subscribe to people that i think are funny that i want to see more of their stuff but anyways yeah the reach is massive yeah yeah there's something to that like i know um you know brian barcelona do you know that name Mm-mm. so he's the guy who's doing high, uh, stuff in high schools like the jesus clubs in high schools in california Okay. Um, he did all that, and then when COVID hit, I think they moved to Upper Room. Okay. But there's him. There's there's a couple other guys. There's a guy. His his handle is Joel Bomb. Okay. Uh, like B O M B. Yeah. Um, there's another guy, uh, Shane Winnings, who is he's from P and W, but they all moved there, and they're basically like moving their whole ministries to go towards like decentralizing church and yeah, and. And having like reaching Gen Z and they're seeing like tons of kids saved, healed, delivered over TikTok. Like mm. they're literally baptizing people over Zoom where they like they have them get in their bathtub, you know, mm-hmm. like they pray over like, OK, dunk yourself. And, you know, like mm-hmm. they're just reaching a group of people that like they never would otherwise. Yeah, like you sure. could have a, and they're still part of the local expression, still doing in-person stuff. But like 
having this massive reach. So I don't know. I think I think that's the future. Um, I don't I don't know what all it looks like, but man, no. So I said we're getting into the deep stuff right away because like that's you're right about decentralizing church and the future and reaching unreached people groups and particularly with Gen Z, particularly as like our culture intensifies it's like digitalization you know what i mean we're just Mm -hmm. more digital that's not going to change and we have to figure out how to adapt actually one of the guys that i follow his name is joshua k smith i've chatted with him a little bit he's like a theology and ai robots guy and it's just like (laughs) fascinating but it's like exactly people laugh but it's like real you know what i mean and like he's right his book is about like he has a forthcoming book it's like trying to equip pastors for something that they don't even realize exists you know what i mean and how to like deal with this Mm -hmm. stuff all that to say, how do you mirror that with not just like local church expression, which I think is really important and we could talk about, but like what's real, you know what I mean? In a world of increasing maybe like separation from reality or like internalization of reality as, or like mediated reality through screens and relationships mediated through screens and technology. Um, where you can still have the valuable thing like that baptism and that encounter are 100% valid. And yet, like, what does it look like if for like do 10 people meet in the metaverse and like have Bible study? You know what I'm saying? Like, is that a way for people in the underground church to now meet and communicate and feel free or, or I don't know. There's like a lot of, I think, possibilities and questions that arise from these things, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. I was just part of this uh, thing called Summit Latino in Miami and mm-hmm. uh by this group i'm actually going to have the the guy who runs it um he's going to be on the podcast um and they're kind of like running alongside john maxwell who's like mm-hmm. and john maxwell had something like 32 standing presidential invitations to come and fix cool. countries yeah like this guy's he's a pretty big deal yeah and um and so anyways he he shared some things and he said um I'll just throw a few things out at you and and see what it makes you think of. But um, between him and another guy named uh, Paul, oh man, what's his name? Uh, He's out of the UK. He's a a older white guy out of the UK, has a long white ponytail. So I'll start with him. But basically he said, he he gave the example of uh, Blockbuster and Netflix. And so the, the part of the story that people, most people don't know is like, so Blockbuster was offered something like 60 million uh, to Netflix offered themselves to Blockbuster for like $60 million, something like that. Wow. And to be the digital arm of Blockbuster, they're like, you know, you keep the brick and mortar, still do that. We'll be the digital arm, $60 million. And Blockbuster turned them down because they did not want to go digital hmm. because if they went digital... Uh, 10% of their income was off of, uh, was off of late fees and, oh. and, and 10% was almost a billion dollars, 800 wow. million, 850 million, some, somewhere in there a year in late fees. Mm-hmm. And so in holding on to their late fees and, and that model, they passed up on Netflix who wow. then took over the market and put them out of business. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of presenting to them, uh, to these pastors, this was a conference of pastors, and he was presenting to these pastors, Latino pastors from all over the, all over the Spanish speaking world. Mm-hmm. 
is saying, what are your late fees? What are the things mm-hmm. that you're holding on to right now that you think yeah. are so important and they're yeah. so vital to your ministry that actually it's pride and you holding on to that will actually kill your ministry. That's good. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. And so for them, he was like, you know, we would pray and prophesy about all these people we're going to we're gonna reach. And uh, he's like, finally, I just got frustrated. And it was like, you know, we've we've created such a bubble and then we we speak from our bubble, <laughs> you know, expecting people to come into our bubble and like even understand what we're talking about. And he's like, they have no clue. He's like, so I began to change my language. I changed up the way the church was formatted. And he's like, and I started sending buses throughout the city to pick people up. Wow. And he's like, the same people that prayed and prophesied that the lost were coming and all this stuff were the same people that got offended and left because of the people they were sitting next to, mm-hmm. because they were sitting next to the bum, to uh, mm-hmm. somebody who's living in a gay lifestyle, to, to a black man. Like mm-hmm. he named all these things. And he's like, he's like, but I didn't care. He's like, our, our church grew and it was like in the thousands, a, a church in the UK, which like, for those who know, that's a big deal mm-hmm. in the UK to have a spirit filled evangelistic church in the in the thousands mm-hmm. there's nothing like that in europe and um and so anyways he so he shares that then john maxwell later on his his thing was uh he was asked the question with covid was there anything you were excited about and he mm-hmm. said i finally thought this was a chance for the church to decentralize he used that same language that um you know i used before with brian yeah. barcelona and um he said because it was an opportunity for us to stop focusing on ourselves and for pastors to realize they're not the pastors of, of their building. Mm-hmm. They're the pastors of their community. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if we actually, if we would start to think like that and it would change everything. Mm-hmm. And, and so this whole conference, he shared that there's some other pieces to that, um, which I'll, we'll, I'll get into this more with Bryce, but you know, something he told Bryce was he, John Maxwell was with Billy Graham a week before he died. Mm-hmm. And Billy Graham said to him, he said, I think, I believe the Great Commission in the coming days is going to be fulfilled in the business sector mm-hmm. and like, and in the church learning from businesses. Mm-hmm. And because um, he was realizing that the, the way we were doing church was no longer working and was no longer going to reach the lost in the same way it would have in the eighties and nineties where people, you know, culturally people would come to the church when they were broken. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of passed that era where it's, it's, it's much less likely, especially in places like where we live, you're in California, yeah. I'm, I'm in, uh, in Washington state in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's much less likely that somebody's going to come to a church when they need, need something. They might go to the local psychic, they, mm-hmm. you know, like they might go to a spiritual coach. Um, so anyways, with those two ideas, I think, uh, there's something about, you know, we're kind of establishing a new, there's like a new normal. I think we're in between two wineskins. Mm-hmm. And so we still have to kind of like honor and live in the old while also seeing like where things are headed. Mm-hmm. And like part of that is digital. I don't think we'll, we can't get rid of the, the in-person. Like that's mm-hmm. so important. Like we have to meet together. We have to break bread together. We have to do that in person. The laying on of hands can't happen digitally. Like, mm-hmm. you know, not that God can't touch people across if that's not available, but that's important. But I think churches have this opportunity where like as pastors, we can now see ourselves as the pastors of our community. And I think we've talked about this before, but like somebody gets shot on the East side. It's like, okay, 
we're gonna i'm gonna do the funeral we're gonna we'll offer to host it for free we're bringing food to the family mm-hmm. we're taking it personal that this happened in our city mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it becomes that kind of like it, Roberts Learden called it uh, territorial churches. Mm-hmm. Like it's like this is not not territorial against other churches, but territorial of this is the kingdom's land, mm-hmm. and we're going to treat the people here as if they're part of the kingdom, mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to they're going to know our king. Mm-hmm. And so that, but also that churches have an opportunity to have a digital church that mm-hmm. they can have people that aren't in their community. They can reach all over the world, which is incredible. Like just this podcast, I just. And in the last week, I've gained two more nations. Um, I think I'm up to 33 or 34 nations now that are, are listening into the podcast. And it's like, that's absolutely insane uh, with no marketing or anything. And then you take TikTok and it's like a whole nother level. Like it's mm-hmm. like millions of people. Um, so anyways, that was a lot. But does that spark anything? Any thoughts for you? Yeah, man, that's a lot of stuff. So, I mean, first, the idea of letting go of your late fees I've been thinking about that for a while in different language of just like, I just want to lay down anything that is non-essential to the gospel. Like, I don't want, I don't want anything to be a stumbling block that doesn't need to be a stumbling block. There's things that I value and care about theologically or culturally or whatever from my various experiences and traditions. But if it's not like believing in Jesus, you know what I'm saying? If it's not like Jesus is the only God he really got up out the grave and like some of these main like things and obviously they're important i would never want to underplay them um but i think churches culturally need to be like much more elastic and like we need to like limit what we like limit the the exclusive things to what is actually exclusive and like you Mm -hmm. have to believe x or you have to do this or you have to because those things exist right like um and they're huge christianity is the most inclusive and exclusive religion paradoxically at the same time anybody is welcome no matter what your lifestyle what your past how terrible a person you were hitler whoever and yet nobody gets to remain the same everybody has to die everybody has to lay it all down everybody um and so some you know people don't like to hear that but all that to say so just like as local churches because we're not it's not oh we're the young guys now it's our turn to run and like we don't need the older generation like jesus church is multi-generational I need the wisdom of the old, older people, older saints, and they need my energy, all that good stuff. Um, and yet the people who are older in leadership who don't recognize the need for the younger generation and um, and in no ways to reach them and even be open to trying new things and willing to fail, they're going to die. Kind of like you said, you know, like those churches are going to, they're going to struggle. They're going to suffer. Jesus's church is going to be victorious because it, that's the only thing it can be, but local expressions are going to, are going to struggle. Um, so I think that's one thing. And for me, I'm just like, okay, what can I lay down while clinging on to? And yet I'm also deeply excited about like, not just digitalization, but globalization. I was talking to one of my professors at Fuller and he's like, you know, I think one of the most exciting things is that in the next hundred, 200 years where the church is going to grow, it's like all these different streams are going to get to learn from each other again. Like, the Protestants from the Orthodox and the Orthodox from the whoever mm. reformed, like uh, they're, they're going to get to learn from each other again through um, this process of the world getting smaller and like s- kind of steal the best from each other again. That doesn't necessarily mean it's all going to become one church. Right. But like, I do think there's a, a beautiful like fusion and fellowship that can happen and will happen through 
being able to engage in new ways. Um, so that's one one thought that I had. Yeah. And another one is like, well, yeah, what do you think about that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. Um, you know, obviously, there's some there's some nuance to the cultural the cultural pieces, and you know, what does it look like to be elastic? And um, it's uh, yeah, I think I think some of that comes down to like actually having proper church government too. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, a lot of churches have really struggled to have that, or they're like pastorally run, but they're like the other pieces of the fivefold are missing mm-hmm. um or or it's I, you know churches run by evangelists and like mm-hmm. they're not pastoral you know like things like that like all of that exists or churches run by prophets and they just get weird mm-hmm. um and so i think i think all of that with good church government you could begin to to build a healthy place because that's kind of like where the a lot of the inclu- inclusivity or exclusivity is seen is in the fact that like you're not going to be an elder Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're, you're living as in certain lifestyles or your mm-hmm. life looks a certain mm-hmm. way, it's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. Right. Um, and like you can believe like... X, right? Like I'm not gonna, you can believe X, but you're not going to preach it from this pulpit. That's just a fact. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I can't control yeah. and I'm going to like, but you don't have a position of teaching here because I'm responsible for these people. I'm responsible for this thing. And I have to answer to God for that. And so I can love you and converse with you. And you know what I mean? Like all this good stuff and we can even be friends but then there's this line that I have to draw. And I think it's a line that Jesus drew, you know, um, time and again, yeah. with different people that he loved and cared about. And that's something that I think you're right about. So yeah, man, that's, but that's the other part of it too. Like I, I remember what I was going to say about, so like the thing that not worries me about the decentralization aspect, but I feel like we have to be cautious not to skew too much that way. Like, I love what you're saying about the local, like the territorial thing, right? I have a, a, a becoming friends. He's from a, the kind of Anglican world. He's like in a uh, just evangelical church out here now. But, um, you know, a lot of church, they have this parish model, right? So one of the benefits of these bigger institutional churches, like the Catholic church or like the Church of England or something like that, is all the money goes to one pot and then they can fund these parish churches, which have a certain region that they're responsible for a certain neighborhood or area so that every town is covered or every, you know, whatever neighborhood. Um, and that might just be like 12 people and it might feel like a dead church, but that church has been there serving that specific community for 50 years or whatever. And so, or hundreds. And so I just think like pastors, churches, church leaders have an opportunity to not just there's going to be there's always going to be i think bigger churches and smaller churches and so there might be like one big church in a city or a couple but the the majority of churches are going to be more mid-sized and like for you in those churches to you know take the blessing from the big church that can do the big toy giveaway on christmas and do all these things and like you know receive them bless them in their calling and what god's called them to even if you have disagreements but then like be rooted in your community and like do the hard work of getting to know the neighbors and knocking on doors and just inviting people or like, Hey, how can we serve you? Hey, we're a new church in this area, man. My name's, you know, such and so I'm going to pass. We're right up the road. Um, Is there anything we can be praying for you guys about, you know what I mean? Or whatever. And then just like allowing the the needs of the community to inform what ministry looks like in that setting and letting that shift involve over time. And there's so many churches that do that, but I just think that's like crucial to get to some of this reality stuff that we were talking about and like act while people 
are while the world is also growing in different ways if that makes sense yeah yeah that yeah, makes a lot of sense <clears throat> another thought i had when uh when you're talking about the globalization piece mm. and and in line with uh technology it's it is amazing because the world's becoming smaller i know COVID has shut down a lot of travel and like mm -hmm. a lot of the ability to travel um you know hopefully that's not forever but yeah. um the uh i think about these like tribes and stuff like you know because one of the the keys to jesus returning is everyone mm -hmm. here in the gospel and there's still like there still are quite a few people groups that have not heard the gospel it's not mm -hmm. in their language mm -hmm. and um and so i just think about how how much easier it is going to be to translate the gospel into other languages now than it would have been even 10 years ago or, or 20 30 years ago mm -hmm. um with things, you know, even things like digital recordings, like you could literally have somebody on the ground having a conversation while also having people sitting, taking that, you know, rewinding, listening to the words they said, matching mm -hmm. them up, trying, you know, determining a language where in the 70s, a Bible translator would have had to sit there to learn their language, to create an alphabet, have conversations over and over again, try to figure out their language, hope that they heard it right, you know, go back, try to get them to say it again. Whereas like, you know, it's, it's just a whole different world. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it's going to become, you know, and then a AI, like who knows how AI is going to play. Could, could mm -hmm. a computer get to the place that you could, you could hear it and it could sit there almost like Star Wars. I know the droids mm -hmm. would do that and they'd like be able to figure out different languages. Could it, mm -hmm. could it then like figure out their language and repeat back to you in your language what they just said instantly? Right. Like right. we could, we could be headed there. Right. And I mean, that's the idea of, where does science fiction become real? You know what I mean? Like where it's like, there's there's all kinds of, sci you know, I'm a big fantasy sci-fi guy. Like there's all kinds of worlds in which, you know, you just plug in your little thing or your little translator device and we're communicating across cultures and barriers and hearing and receiving in our native tongues. And like, I mean, I don't know how technically that would be solved, but I know it's a solvable problem. You know what I mean? Like it's a thing that is physically possible in the real world. And somebody's like right now dedicating their life to trying to figure that out because it's going to make a lot of money and it's going to solve a lot of problems, create new problems, you know? And if you're like a mm -hmm. end times conspiracy person, you're like, Babel is back, you know, <laughs> like maybe, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, all that to say, like, it's possible. And so I think one of the big men, one thing I've just been thinking about that my heart has been burdened for the church and burning for the church and my role in it is like, I just want to help the church of the 21st century, like blossom and bloom into the 22nd and 23rd and 24th century. You know what I mean? Because we're just at such a big cultural transformation time where so much of the old guard is unfamiliar with or scared by or unaware of the rapid, like exponential transformation of society via like technology and stuff like that and like the increase of what's possible and i'm not like a i don't mean this in the sense of like every all our problems are going to be solved and there's gonna be no things. i just think that things are changing really quickly in ways that yeah. we're not fully aware of and like the kind of rule with the technological part is that the more it changes the more quickly it changes and then it's this cycle that just mm -hmm. continues and continues and so like what does that mean for you know the return of jesus and all this stuff i don't know but i just know that the church is going to be the one institution that is still thriving after every empire falls after every nation dissolves after every 
other thing is no longer there, there will be a church in a city that is golden, you know, and like there will be all this. And so all the good stuff, like I believe that with my whole heart. And so Do when I think about these things, I just think about it in context of helping the church not just survive, but like thrive in the midst of this and, you know, not become a late adopter, as you were saying before the podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. So because there's there's two real real trains of thought or primary trains of thought, there's the people who are like, they see the writing on the wall. We're probably heading towards like a, a Ready Player One, which mm-hmm. is a movie for those who don't know, um, world where people live virtually. It's like, why would you, uh, <clears throat> why would you not, you know, uh, live in that world where you can be whatever you want to be? Mm-hmm. You, everyone who experiences you, kind of Instagram, mm-hmm. you know, Instagram on steroids. It's mm-hmm. like I can put up only the good. Mm-hmm. I can wear the best clothes. I can look awesome. I can meet my friends there. I can be somebody else in mm-hmm. that world. Why would I live in this one and focus on this one when I could live in that one? Mm-hmm. So people are kind of seeing the right on the wall that that's kind of where we're headed um, with the metaverse and some of that stuff. And for some people, that's going to sound really out there, but it really, mm-hmm. I mean, it's where we're headed. All of our mm-hmm. currency is going digital. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even even land. Like there's this whole thing Dude. about buying properties crazy. Yeah. I, was, I was talking about this with uh with, with vince cantagrage like his bellevue mall is huge it's mm-hmm. like you know bellevue is its own city out here um in the outskirts of seattle but it's like where all the tech is mm. and uh you know bellevue mall is where all the money is and it's like crazy wealth in that area and i'm like man like you know some of the stuff i've seen like you're going to be able to buy plots of Mm-hmm. what what is physical land like on a google maps kind of thing but you could buy the digital space mm-hmm. so somebody like that mall could exist and you could go get on your you know google maps for mm-hmm. your vr or whatever and be like i'm going to the mall and like mm-hmm. go to the mall and then sit there and shop and it could then be shipped to your house like mm-hmm. the actual physical item that you just walked around the mall digitally mm-hmm. or it could be something you buy for your digital avatar or whatever mm-hmm. And so anyways, like this is where we're, we're headed. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two, two primary trains of thought. There's resist mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, people are going to go live in that world and we're not meant to live digitally. Yeah. And then there's the other train of thought that's like, let's not see this as an evil. We can see how it could be skewed, but let's right. see it as like something, a tool to be used. Um, where do you fall in that? Well, I think, so I think the... The second is where I would fall. Tool to be used, neutral. Like, if you really break it down, this is the, and I, I didn't come up with this, I read this from somebody way smarter than me, but this is just like the next iteration of the internet. You know what I mean? And like, people were really resistant to the internet in certain circles, you know? And like, mm-hmm. and, and there were weird things that happened in the beginning of the internet. Um, and there's weird, bad things that still happen, you know? But as itself is a neutral tool that can do very, very much good and just make life better. I think that this stuff is the next iteration of connecting digitally, virtually, et cetera. Um, but I think there's a third group of people and that's the people. So there's not just like the hard resistors and then who over spiritualize it in a negative way. I think there's the people both maybe Christian and, but definitely secular who like, uh, they're like the utopian vision of it. You know what I'm saying? And they're just like, this is going to solve all our problems. And you have to resist that as well. It might solve some problems. It probably will. And it make a lot of things easier. And But it also creates, like, the thing that doesn't change in this, and this is what keeps me grounded, 
is like humans don't necessarily change. You know what I mean? Like we're still the beings with the capacity for good and evil and figuring out ways to game systems and then figuring out ways to catch those who are gaming the system. You know what I mean? Like it's like uh, right now they have, I've used this example for multiple years, so I know that's advanced by now, but they have skin that is synthetic skin that you can blow on it or tickle it and it gets goosebumps. Like that's how real it is. And the doctors who created it want to use it for burn victims to graft skin in them that is real skin again that they can have feeling. But it's also like one of the main things used on high-end sex dolls, you know? And so it's just like, there's always going to be like this, this thing with it, the good and the bad, as long as we're in the mix. Uh, and so that's why I try to keep the perspective that I have. And then like, but to kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier, for the church, like, so that's me as an individual. And then for the church, how can this be a form of mission, you know, like engaging, mm. missional engagement where we can reach people who are feeling empty in the midst of a fake reality or people who are really just there trying to kick it with their friends, you know what I mean? And like, mm. how can we normalize this in a way that is like, no, this is just what people do now. And But I do think we have to be, cutting edge isn't the right word, but like, we need to embrace our theological thinkers. And that doesn't just mean people with PhDs, like, but who are aware that this raises questions about what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to connect? What does intimacy look like in the digital age? We need to be leading the conversation when it comes to those questions, um, just about like what it means to be human. And we also, and there's a host of ethical questions as well that we need to answer. But so yeah, we, and if we're not aware of them or we're resisting, we're gonna be informed by the culture as we have been so often, or we're gonna be like a little cloister and the culture's out here and we're just like squeezing down, you know? Like, and, uh, and then people are just like leaving the church and being like, everything I knew was a lie that my parents told me, so, you know? And, and then you lose a whole nother generation until they get old enough to realize that this wasn't it and they're trying to figure out their mm -hmm. faith again. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> that, and that makes me kind of wonder like, you know, because COVID, everything went online and mm -hmm. we saw suicide rates and depression and anxiety shoot through the roof. Mm -hmm. Like people only connecting through screens and being secluded and all that stuff. It, it took mental health uh, to a, a dangerous level. Mm -hmm. You've seen uh, Bo Burnham's documentary, his comedy thing, right? Inside. Mm. Oh, my God. You have to watch it. But sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to. Yeah, send me that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just I wonder if if the if things do go this way, is is there going to be I think there's going to be the opportunity to reach those people because the majority of people will feel the emptiness. Mm hmm. But I also know how those things go and will probably be medicated. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I think Joe Rogan talked about that, like things getting to the place where we medicate even away from our personal, like he was talking about like sex drive and things like that. Like things that are actually a waste that can be a waste of time, mm -hmm. like medicating humans getting to the point that we medicate away from those to only focus on the things that are productive, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of a weird, you know, weird uh, train of thought because some of those things, the things that make us human um mm -hmm. eliminating those it's like we just become robots we become right. the the thing that we're trying to create um but i think we're gonna i think that's where we're headed 
um, is ending up in kind of a weird spot where people are, are so disconnected. And I think the church has an opportunity to really rise up. Mm-hmm. But then I, I have this other thought about there's also a really good possibility that that all could collapse. Oh, and for sure. That there could be like a not necessarily resistance, but a breaking away. Um, you know, I, I think that, that that those kinds of things tend to happen. So I think if, if our whole world goes digital, I think eventually there will be a, a grassroots movement of people stepping away from that and wanting to have nothing to do with it mm-hmm. um, and wanting to break away. And actually, we've kind of seen that with Gen Z versus millennials. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen some of that, but like millennials, like for by and far want to be famous, want to do all this stuff. And then Gen Z got like they get on the scene and they're like, they don't even like posting pictures on Instagram, right? you know, like, or they'll like post a bunch and then just delete them all. And like half of them still want to be famous, but the other half are like, don't want anything to do with anything. Yeah. And it's just like, we're already seeing that change just from one generation to another. So what yeah. would that look like if everything's like that? Or if like a EMP goes off and now mm-hmm. all of our crypto has gone, all mm-hmm. of our media has gone, everything's gone. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, dude, no, that's that last point is just like, I think about that all the time. The more dependent we become on technology, we, we have to have this dual like track of like embracing technology while also learning how to like, I don't know, grow your own vegetables or something. You know what I mean? Like we have to like, <laughs> yeah. seriously, like, or just like enjoy the natural world. Like it has to be both because technology is going to be this big blessing. But like you're a human, you have a body. And like, I don't know if like so much of this comes down to what does it mean to be human? And like, what does it mean to actually have a body? Right? Like, Uh, So in Greek thought, a lot of it is that like you're a soul trapped in a body and your inner world is your truest self and you need to break free of like the bounds of your body and the limitations so that you can just like kind of be, and that's the Western thought that influences a lot of our modern culture in the church and definitely in the secular like kind of identity spaces. But like the Hebrew world, like the kind of Old Testament stuff is like you are an ensouled body, you are a an animated body. You're not a soul trapped in a body. You're a body that is given life by a soul. And it's a subtle difference, a subtle shift, because what it means is that who you truly are is not separable from your body and your body parts. It doesn't change. You know what I mean? Like you are, you're not only your body, you are an inner world as well, but it's an inner world uniquely matched to a unique physical body that God Mm. created for you to experience the world. And the way that we experience the world is sensory. Even if you were in a digital world, it's tapping into your five, your basic five senses somehow to make you, to simulate these players. And so all that to say, like, fundamental question about what does it mean to be human? Yeah, I think as a society, we need to learn how to like navigate that. And you see it, right? Like I saw this funny TikTok of like, it was like, you know, millennials in like 2018 or 2019. And it was like, oh, I just love cities. Like I'm a city person. Like oh, cities are so great, you know? It was like millennials in 2021. And it was like, uh, yeah, so we just bought the farm, you know, and we're just <laughs> homesteading. We're, just yeah, we're homesteading. <laughs> that's the word. We're homesteading. And I think that's, that's obviously it's not, I'm, I don't want to homestead, but you know, we are starting a little vegetable garden. And so there's a, there we are, there's, a, there's that part of it. But then to your other point, man, like that thing about producers, I hadn't heard that. Like Joe Rogan talk about like uh, ridding ourselves of everything that limits our productivity. I think that's, again, what does it mean to be human? Are we only producers, right? That's not how the Bible views us. We are meant to experience intimacy primarily with God and relationship. It's not just what we can produce and give. We have to receive as well. That's a part of what it means to be human in relationship with God. And yet 
you know, you have the Sam Harris conversation, which for those who don't know, he's like a, one of the famous atheist like thinkers who's like really big in futurism and stuff as well. And his whole thing is like, technology needs to advance to a place where we can eliminate everything that is not pleasure, basically. And like, we just need to like hot, hardwire our pleasure receptors to be maximally input and anything that makes us like, uh, you know, any murderous intent or anything that is morally that we would quote unquote say is morally wrong, a system error that we can just correct with like a pill or like with the right. And like, that's not it either, just consumption of pleasure, you know what I mean? Like, and just mm -hmm. removal of all else. Um, and so I just, again, like, but those are the people, I don't know the Christian people talking about this, you know? Like, I don't know them. And so I've, I've had to search hard to try to find some people talking about this stuff and giving me a vision that I could then cast from a pulpit or talk to a confused mom about or whatever, a 20 year old, you know, and like talk about why they should take a break from their phone. So, yeah, I think this is, again, just goes back to the, and for me, it's the, a lot like biblically, all things, this is just that, if you just like did a Google search of all things in the New Testament and just every time that phrase comes up, it would blow your mind. All things from him, all things created by him, all things created for him, all things created to him, everything flows through him and will return to blah, 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 blah. And that's important because this is a thing that is created, right? The metaverse or your phone or there are things that are created. And so there is a way to engage with it that is healthy and good um, and that Christ can be glorified in. But I think we just have to find it. And so I'm always interested in the people when it comes to this kind of futuristic talk that are there. Because like when I think of our kids, Henry, my son and your daughter, like I mean, 20 years from now, get out. It's going to be a completely different world, you know? And so mm -hmm. I don't, I can't even really imagine it fully. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 20, you just look back 20 years ago. Yeah. Like 20 like years that. ago, I was love what? We were 11, like 2001. There was like blogs on it. The MySpace didn't exist yet. And now people who are listening to this don't know what MySpace was, which is crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. So. That was uh, Zanga. Yeah, um, and like blah, what's, what's the was... black one? Black Planet or something? I don't even know if those yeah. were out yet, but like they probably were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Phones. I I remember like uh, one of our friends had had internet on his phone. It was like a huge deal, but it was like super clunky and like mm -hmm. um, you know, not not in two thousand one, but a little bit after that. Like yeah. beginning to see that and that being crazy, but still having dial up in in two thousand one. Oh, for sure. 9-11 like all these things and it's like now we look at what we have self-driving cars right and <laughs> we're sending like we have commercial space flight and right like a nuts. movie like i robot like that was like futuristic self-driving cars like remember that will smith movie like you're like mm -hmm. oh like this is like the future and it's like here now i mean obviously not all the robots but like do you ever watch those videos from that one robotic company where like the robots do all the synchronized dances and like carpour uh parkour and stuff like that I'll have to send you, but like the technology, man, for these robots is off the charts. Interestingly, and uh, so like there's like, you know, all this crazy stuff with robots. What one guy told me, I think actually I read this in a book by John, John Lennox. Um, one of the hardest things right now for a company to figure out is the dexterity of the human hand. And like, that's like one of the big missing pieces for robotics because just how nimble our fingers can be and the, you know, small, minute 
movements they can make is just really hard to replicate with machinery right now. Um, and yet a lot of people believe that once that threshold is crossed, like Amazon eliminates all of its factory workers like that, right? Like that's their utility right now is being able to do these things that a mm. robot cannot do. And so it's just like, it's just interesting how that thing, which I would imagine would be one of the most solvable problems is really hard, I guess, for the scientists to figure out. And yet when it happens, it's gonna change. A lot of people think it's projected to change like the workforce, just period, you know? Mm. So, and it's like a full-time job trying to keep up with this stuff. I just like know about it because I like read these kind of books in my spare time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting stuff, man. Yeah. It's it's interesting, uh, back to the Sam Harris thing a little bit, but that like that level of, of hedonism and mm-hmm. like just this this life just being about pleasure. Um I think I think that's that might there actually might be a key in there for the church because mm-hmm. like obviously like our pleasure and, mm-hmm. and what we understand is instead of self worship is in worshiping him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is where like this is why the experiential piece is so important mm-hmm. and it, and like obviously grounded in the word of God and, and, and all those pieces. But like there, there is not going to be, no matter how much we can amplify the pleasure centers of the brain mm-hmm. and, and deal with pain and, and uh, uh, distortions in people's thinking or murderous mm-hmm. thoughts and all that, like no matter how much we can do that, there's still never going to be a pleasure quite mm-hmm. like, like actually knowing God or encountering God in a profound mm-hmm. way. Um, you know, like drugs are, are obvious an obvious one, mm-hmm. um, that of a way to experience some godlike sensations. Uh, but they're so temporary mm-hmm. and like, you know, like different drugs leave you with different, uh, side effects and mm-hmm. really impact you in different ways. And so who knows, you know, how that's all going to head, but mm-hmm. no, dude, I mean, that's my kind of like theory, which obviously I can't prove, but, it just seems like logical conclusion to me is like, I think we could create a world in which it's that Sam Harris thing, right? Like we figured out pleasure. We can eliminate pain with a, you know, with a pill or with whatever, we can cut it out of your brain. And yet people are still sad or unhappy or, and they don't know why, you know what I mean? Like everybody has food. And I think there's really good things. Like I think we need to give everybody food and we need like, there's certain things I think are possible through some of this stuff that is really good. But it's like all these quote unquote needs, all the needs are met and even in, even beyond the needs are met. And yet we still can't figure out what is missing. I think that is a, is a probable possibility or something like that. You know what I mean? For like, if, if like, you know, Armageddon doesn't happen and technology just keeps moving on and whatever. Um, Because you're right. We're created deep down to know the love of our father, to know the love of the bridegroom, to know the love of the best friend, to, you know, to know the the love of our creator and maker, to experience all the different parts of God in fullness forever. Like that's literally what we're created for. Our destiny is intimacy, period. Intimacy with him, intimacy with others. And so um, I just think that there's no fix for that. Is that an act of faith? Yes. But it's also, like you said, why the experiential part is, you know, so real. Like Jesus said, I have, I am the key to the good life, you know, and, and my right hand are pleasures forevermore, the psalmist says. And so we owe it to the world and encounter with God 100 percent. 
we also owe ourselves an encounter with God. You know what I mean? Like we need to be, because I don't want it if it's not real. And I don't think Gen Z for sure wants it if it's not real, you know? Like they're the, they're yeah. they're more open, they're more sexually like uh, permissive, and yet they have way less sex than any generation before, like than the previous two generations before them, which is interesting. Like if you look at the actual mm. statistics, like they're more like sex isn't like a, you shouldn't wait till you're married kind of thing but they're less likely to have sex or they're likely to have fewer partners, even though that partner could be whoever, you know? Um, wow. Which is just like some interesting stuff, man. They don't want it if it's not real. And so I think that there's something there about us being burning ones for God, to use really Christianese language, uh, and like letting that actually happen, you know? And, and, mm. and, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because the more I grow and the more I think about, you know, church planting and stuff like that, I can create a space, a prophetic space for people to encounter God. And, um, I can give good prophetic words and the Holy Spirit can show up, but there's only so much I can do in the sense of like giving someone that irrevocable experience. Like for me, I can't ever go back. Even if I fall, I can't deny that Jesus is real and risen in my life. And you know, all the things that I've seen, I just can't deny it. I can say I'm in sin or I'm not trying to follow God right now, but I can't say Jesus is in God. And so I just like wonder like what it looks like for this next generation to have those kind of encounters or for the people in this generation to have those encounters, you know, who are gonna like then be able to be like magnets to their peers of like, no, this is what's real. This is what's really real. And you don't, this is what we want. This is what we've been longing for and like letting that shine off their life. Because that's, again, like even though we're going into new territory, that's an ancient thing. That's John, we've tasted and we've seen, and we, you know, first John or whatever. And we can only tell you what we've seen and touched with our own hands. Take it or leave yeah. it, but we did it. We touched it with our own hands. That's, you know, so does that make sense? Yeah, well, I think that's it. I mean, even if you could produce an encounter every time, mm -hmm. uh, children of Israel, you know, mm -hmm. being led out of Egypt, they encountered a lot and still continue to turn away. The the ministry of Jesus, like how many people encountered him and turned away, um, even even his disciples, you know, like mm -hmm. they weren't at the cross. He had told them exactly what would, what would transpire. They mm -hmm. didn't even show up. John was the only one there, and it was because he was a cousin of Jesus, and like. Mm -hmm. um, he was relationally bound to be there to take care of Mary, <laughs> you know? And, um, I just, I, even if we can give them the encounter, there's just so much of it that has, that's between them and Holy spirit. Um, but I do think there is something to, um, recently I, you know, as I was, I was talking to somebody and, the thing that made them want to know Jesus was how I talked about Jesus. They were mm -hmm. like, I've heard a lot of Christians speak, but I've never heard anybody talk about him in a way that made me actually feel like he was real. Mm -hmm. And he's like, when you talk, I get butterflies. Mm -hmm. And I, I, and the only reason I, I, the only thing I can attribute that to is not, not even the encounters I had when I first met God or it's, and it's not my Bible knowledge and it's not how many scriptures I was, I was taking him to. It's the, it's the the more recent encounters. It's the, mm -hmm. the consistent encounters, consistently seeing him again, being undone by him that then when we share, it's just, it stirs something. And then they're left with a choice, mm -hmm. you know, 
because you see the ministry of Jesus and he just left so much to Holy Spirit. And he's like, I'm, I'm not even going to try to convince you. Like Holy Spirit has to, mm-hmm. Holy Spirit does the convincing. He's like, he, he would preach and then he'd move mm-hmm. and they would follow or they wouldn't. And it, you know, obviously it'd break his heart. I think the chosen, um, yeah. like with, uh, with, uh, Nicodemus, yeah. like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it, but it's Bible story. So people probably already know, <laughs> um, you know, but just that, that I think they captured so well mm-hmm. the feeling of Jesus in that moment of like, he was so close, mm-hmm. you know, and like they haven't done the rich, rich young ruler, but he's another one I think of where he's mm-hmm. like, I'm in. Whatever it is, I'm I'm in. I'll do it. And then you know, Jesus is like sell your stuff, yeah. and, and then come and follow me. He's like, I can't do it, right? You know, so I don't know. I think there's always going to be that you know the types of soil, mm-hmm. uh, the and different ones. The seeds gonna fall in different different types of soil, and only the good soil is it gonna actually take root. Mm-hmm. And that's up to Holy Spirit. Yeah, no, that's good, man. And you're right. Like all you can do ultimately is just like be the message and sow the seed. You know what I mean? Like, and that doesn't mean, at least for me, that doesn't mean, you know, every person you pray for is getting healed or you always, you're always feeling the holiest that, you know, like whatever, like that's, but I think it's consistently burning bright and like burning bright over the whole course of your life. You know what I mean? So like you might fluctuate, you might be brighter sometimes and not as bright, but like that you're consistently burning bright for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, that's going to be the testimony, not only when you yeah. meet people new in your life, but for people who you've known for a long time. You're a well that they can, they're like, there's something about Ryan or David that, you know, they've just been following Jesus's time and look at where their life is and look at where my life is. Not about necessarily money or whatever, but like they're whole, you know, and they're more whole than they were. And, uh, and that happens because of union with God. And so, hmm. yeah, man, I, I, think you're, I think you're right. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I we actually witnessed that in Mexico with uh when we were there with David Hogan we were actually at Jody Hogan uh David Hogan's son's house. Mm. And and while we were there uh a guy walks in because he saw people were there. Mm-hmm. And David turns and greets him in mm. the same greeting he al- he always says uh oh is it Cristo vive uh I'm trying to think of it. Oh it's a it's in in English it's uh Christ heals, heals and deliver or heals and saves something mm. like that. Um, and, uh, he would always greet everyone that way. And this guy just broke down and I'm there. We're witnessing milk. And I were there witnessing mm-hmm. this and we're like, what's going on? And, um, he breaks. And mm. it's because when, when Jody and this kid, this kid was like a son to him, like decades ago mm. and he would carry around those two on his back and like oh, go wow. to different villages and preach and he was like a father to this kid mm. you know and then obviously time went on they got separated or whatever and david greeted him the same way now wow. as he did 30 years ago or yeah. whatever and he's he's like this is for the first time after being in all that all those years ago yeah. now was like this is real and gave his life to jesus right there wow. and we got to, we got to witness it and it was all because of longevity mm-hmm. and uh and i remember he came over and explained that to us and he's like he's like it's so important to have longevity mm-hmm. and like and to be consistently somewhere and yeah. with, around the same people and stuff so they can see this that's good that's really good that's really good yeah it's, it's super important and i i think um 
man, there was something else you said there. Um, oh, I'm losing it. Oh, there's something you said at the end that I wanted to comment on. Giving people encounters. Oh, oh, so one of the things that I've been seeing recently has been so freeing is I think like, I think we've taken the pastoral and um, even though the pastor is very like when we have a pastoral heart or pastoral calling and that could be in a church or it could be somebody that God has just said, you know, look out for this person, you mm-hmm. know, um, and that can be in the workplace or, you know, whatever. When you have that heart, a lot of times we end up taking on a burden that actually isn't ours. And I've just seen the, the beauty of taking the burden to prayer mm-hmm. and like, but in person, like talking about, you know, people coming for encounters or healing or whatever. I've just taken the pressure off myself at mm-hmm. this point. And this has been really effective and just like really putting it back on them. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, you, you've, you've realized that what I've said is truth. So go after it. Like, mm-hmm go after him like well i'll pray for you for healing and we'll see if we'll see what god does like that's between you and him and uh that has been so freeing and i actually noticed like a lot of the people that i know that see the most healing actually operate that way mm-hmm. they're not they're not like they they lay hands and they trust god to do the rest and then they they see the most healing that way mm-hmm. which is very different than some in the 50s and like they you know do it live in front of people mm-hmm. and I know that there's people now that do that and see a lot of healing, but like some of my, some people I've been most influenced by in healing, I've just seen them do that where they, they'll just lay hands on you. The people get touched by God and they move on. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they don't even hear the testimony of what happened. And then the person gets up completely healed or mm-hmm. next day wakes up and they're healed. And so there's something, there really is something to that. And there's a freedom in just fully relying on Holy spirit and letting him do his job. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's a good word. Go ahead. Let me cut you off. Yeah, that's Like, so what is, I guess, what does love look like in that situation? Because here's what I was thinking about when you said the idea of like the pastoral and the burdens, right? And like, whether the fivefold, no matter what part it is, obviously church governance can operate in the different realms of like society as well. So like, for example, for me, I love artists. I've been around artist communities and um, I connect with them and it's good to be a light in that space. And yet I'll be in a workshop because I'm a writer ever since undergrad, like some of my screenwriting classes all the way to the MFA. And sometimes it's just really heavy because people are just like writing about dark stuff or stuff that Mm -hmm. is just really troubling, you know, and like it troubles my soul. And there's been times where I've just like wept for people and I had to go home or I had to leave the party or I had to, and just wept for people, prayed for them, interceded for them, give it to God, right? And I might not see the testimony. I know God's a God of long stories. I know that I need to still be a light and maintain a relationship with that person in five, 10 years, 20 years from now, who knows? Seen cool testimonies that we can talk about. But I think for me, understanding it in the, as a pastor, as a pastoral role, it seems clear what it looks like to get that burden and lay it down. But each of the five fold, and you could even argue any gifting is just an inner, like a, like an interlocutor for God or something, right? You're just like a, like a, you're not immediate. There's, I don't want to use the wrong language, but like, 
you're just giving people an encounter with God through a different means. You know what I mean? Like, and you're just the vessel that is coming through, whether it's that word of wisdom, the prophetic word, the healing, or like the intercessory burden, whatever it is. And your job is to just like allow God to like move through you in that way, to experience that grief for that person that God might be giving, but then also to lay it back down at the cross, right? To like lay your hands on that person because Jesus commands us to lay his hands. But what you're really doing is invoking the cross by which all our stripes are healed, right? You're returning that person to the cross that like where the actual transaction and transformation happens. So I guess all that to say like, I would just love to hear your thoughts on like, not necessarily healing specifically, but like, have you ever given thought to what that like love looks like in that encounter form or how, how like an apostle lays a burden down or like how a prophet, like you give somebody a word, I guess. And it's just like, you know that that word could change their life and they can lean into it, but like, it's an invitation, you know? And so it's like, you know that they have to, so you can't try to like force it to happen into their life. Like you want to say it in an encouraging way, but like, what is your responsibility beyond that? You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just thinking out loud about that. Yeah. I don't know. Like the whole laying down the burden thing as different parts so I've been thinking about this a lot because of uh, the book I'm working on, and like actually want to I want to get into the fivefold a little bit. I don't know if I've shared this with you. I've shared it on this podcast a few times, like a few different ways. Mm. Um, but I'm I'm more and more convinced. I believe in the high call of the fivefold, um, but I don't believe it's a. I don't believe it's the um, the ultimate role. Mm-hmm. You know, like like the the. The, the more authority you're given in the fivefold, you know, for, first apostles, second prophets, and then you have the rest, like the apostolic call is consistently the worst call to get. Like Peter's told, hey, by the way, you're going to be led places you don't want to go. Right. And, and Jesus prophesying that he's going to be led to the cross and crucified. Right. Paul, you're going to know what you're, or you're going to learn what you're going to suffer for my name's sake. Yeah. Like it's, it's not a great call. Right. Um, and so it's uh, the the servanthood of the fivefold is essential. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm convinced more and more that like there, I have this like this kind of revelation about the graces, graces being empowerment mm-hmm. and uh, in alignment with like whatever you honor, you can receive. So you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. Um, or if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. And so, like, I believe that there's a gifting. Everyone carries a grace for something, and, like, we're a body. So just, like, Paul uses that, and it's actually a beautiful analogy to use that because you think about the way that our organs uh, and things supply each other. Mm-hmm. And actually, we Milk and I were just talking about kidneys the other day and, like, the function of the kidneys. And part of what the kidneys do is they filter things out of the blood because there's actually solids and things that, that form, and, like, they filter it. out of the blood so that it doesn't go to the heart and kill you Mm -hmm. and like there's like really essential pieces like that yeah that and it so works together so we actually desperately need each other and this is why i've been using this a lot with people who are kind of like i love jesus but i don't want anything to do with the church and it's Mm -hmm. like that's awesome you might have a season where god pulls you out to deal with some things you take a kidney out of the body and put it on ice it's only gonna last so long you know, mm-hmm. like you've even eventually got to be reconnected again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I believe that the graces of so the fivefold, they each, 
like actually impart a grace, not only a teaching, because I think we see the fivefold as like, oh, they teach what they are. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that. And I think they also have like, uh, you know, the apostles establishing an atmosphere of heaven and like making things look like heaven and prophets, like prophesying what heaven's saying and teachers, you know, teach, like explaining and, and breaking down the revelation of that and mm -hmm. pastors, pastoring, like they all do that too. But I believe that that grace is kind of this, like, it's almost like the intangible. It's, it's the thing that on them, um, you get around somebody who has it and it starts to, if you can honor it, it starts to happen in your life. And so if the fivefold really is for the equipping of the saints, for the working of the ministry, um, that's not just like, hey, we're going to run this and then you serve this organization of the church really well. It's actually like you, us, us being who we are and you honoring that will mean that you actually fulfill the call of God, um, which to me is actually greater uh, to be the ones going and doing. It's like, you know, and to be able to receive. So to break this down a little bit more, like, uh, uh, apostles carry faith for city and cities and nations. So hmm. like you, if you honor an apostle and have a true apostle, it'll begin to stir a faith in you to believe that you can actually see a city saved. You mm -hmm. can actually see a nation saved. Um, you can actually see heaven come to earth and invade earth. Yeah. Uh, a, a prophet, you know, uh, they eyes to see ears to hear. Like if, if, if they're operating in their grace and it's being honored, just being around them, not they don't even have to necessarily teach it. Teaching is important too, but that it's it's a grace that you'll pick up and you'll begin to hear more clearly. Yeah, uh, and we've experienced this, like in you know in, in uh, living room settings, and like you're prophesying over people, and you got the even the unbelievers will start mm -hmm. to prophesy and stuff, and it's like they get in that atmosphere. And uh, evangelists, like you get around a true evangelist, and you're so stirred, and you, this boldness comes on you to share your faith with others. And you start to get a burden for people to know, know Jesus. And so, it, you know, pastors, like it's that it's this protection and nurturing and love. Like mm -hmm. there's like Brad McCoy has been, he's like an apostolic pastor and mm -hmm. like being around him, you want to love people more. Yeah. And uh, teachers, like you begin to, you begin to understand scripture and it starts to get locked to you and it, it just starts unraveling. Like a true teacher, when you listen to a true teacher, your mind will all of a sudden start connecting things they're not even talking about right. because it's a grace on them. Yeah. So where I'm going with all this is like, then there's graces on the rest of the parts of the body. And so like business people carry a grace for that. You get around business person and it'll start to rub off on you. You'll start to think differently about money. You'll start to think differently about how it can be used for the kingdom. Um, you start to think creatively creatives, same thing. Like there's different graces on people. There's spiritual fathers. Like this all came from a dream. Um, but like you get around fathers give identity. So like you get around a spiritual father, it'll start to, to form your identity. Mm -hmm. And in a way they don't even have to be your spiritual father, but getting around and honoring somebody who carries that on their life, yeah. it begins to stir something in you to, to receive identity and give identity. And so all of these graces, it's it's equipping you with all these things so that you're not just the grace you carry anymore, but now you're stirred with all these other things. So you can go into the workplace and you might pastor, you know, Joe around the corner desk from you and begin to be a pastor in his life. And he's a struggling believer. And you might be an evangelist, this person over here. Mm -hmm. And then there might be a creative that whenever they get around you, they start to think differently and start to, you know, the creativity gets stirred and they're like, I just want to be around you more. I love these conversations we have, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's what the, all of that's supposed to look like. And the, yeah. the fivefold 
is now empowering people to walk as Jesus and be whatever they need to be in the in the situation they're in. Yeah. So now, it's almost what like, that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was, well, I was I was going to answer the burden question, but yeah, what's your thoughts on all that? No, I was going to say like that's they're essentially like not replicating, but reproducing the gift to be all things to all people. Because that's essentially what the fivefold has to be, in my opinion. You know what I mean? It's like it's just really like you're you have certain giftings maybe that are stronger than others but there's a grace on your life and as you mature you're more aware of it that this isn't about me right now i need to love i need to love down right i need to pastor this person mm-hmm. or i need this person just needs to hear the good news you know it doesn't matter this prophetic yeah. you like it's just that and so you being that way in somebody's life in a community and being valued as that then allows those people in that community to also reproduce that yeah. but like playing to their own unique strengths or giftings or whatever. Exactly. I mean, cause it, you see how Jesus walked, like Jesus walked in all of it. Right. And like, we just go, well, yeah, he's Jesus. And like, that that's true. Um, but then he took himself and he's like the best you're, you're losing me. You're going to receive Holy spirit, which will remind you of everything we taught. And I'm going to give you these five gifts mm-hmm. and these five gifts are going to train you and, and equip you to do the things I've called you to do, to do the things that Holy spirit will remind you that I told you to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I think that's it. Like we've got to be able to adjust and it, it can't be this like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not an evangelist, you know, that whole idea. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, you might not be office of evangelist, but when the time comes to share the gospel with somebody right. or to love them, like Jesus would love them in that moment, you are, if you're connected to the body, right. you're, you're going to be equipped to do that. That's good. And so what that looks like to lay down the burden, I think uh, for the fivefold, I mean, I mean, it's hard. Uh, I think all that stuff hurts. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the closer we get to God, the more we feel his heart. I, I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this too, but I, I would just think that it's, it's tears, I, to be honest. And it's the same thing, whether you're in the fivefold or you're, mm-hmm. you're a part of the body, like um, there's, it's tears and prayer. Um, you know, there's a lot of times that you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Like mm-hmm. we can't, we can't live somebody's story for them. Right. That's we good. can we can we can point them the right direction. We can love them really well. They can they can experience. I mean, we we have a friend who experienced all the stuff. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, said nope, mm-hmm. can't do it. And I mean, like literally that... said those words like I'm just not ready. And it's like ridiculous when you like you look me in the eyes. And I was just thinking about this as you're talking. It breaks my heart because you're like. A, two levels. One, you can just, he's my, like, this is your friend, this person that you love, and then you're you're watching, you know they're walking away from life and in towards death. And then B, the anointing is the most obvious thing and to everybody, but even them maybe, but like everybody around them knows if you can just stick it out, if you can just grow, like mm-hmm. everything else is going to fall into place. You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. have the, the juice, basically. You got the gifting, the Holy Spirit's with you, got all the stuff both spiritually and just naturally, you know, like just how you're created. And then to see them still not, it's just like, you can't live the story for that person, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's crazy that our actions actually have real consequences. You know what I mean? Like when you walk away, nobody is beyond redemption. You might do something that ruins your marriage or messes your kid up or mm-hmm. takes somebody else's life or puts you in jail. Like, it's just crazy to think about that, man. It's just, yeah. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like God can redeem even the consequences of sin Mm -hmm. 
but it doesn't always, it doesn't always work that way. He yeah. doesn't always do it. And for whatever, for whatever reason, some people I've seen where it's like, God does clean everything up yeah. and then other people it's like, no, it's going to look different now. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I do want to, uh, you mentioned, uh, some of the screenwriting and, uh, poetry and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I would like to, uh, the creative side of things, I'd like to move into that a little bit and even talk about, um, I think one of the coolest things I've been a part of that you've done is some of the stuff you were doing in New York Mm. where, I mean, I specifically remember one of the nights being at, um, where you did the open mics and you've got, I think one of the girls did something like, it was like a poem about her bloody abortion, mm. like really grotesque. In a church. Dark. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was it. well, it was a church, but it didn't feel like right, a church. Right, for sure. For so sure. Uh, it was in Greenwich Village and it was like, it felt like an art gallery. Oh, yeah. um, it was such a cool setting, but you'd have that next to, uh, you know, one of, one of our friends like playing a worship song yeah. and it was just like one of the coolest, um, it's just one of the coolest, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Contrast. Mm. It was one of the coolest contrast just to be in that environment and not be afraid of the darkness. Cause I think that's the other thing is like in the church, we, we would normally steer away from like, Oh, we don't want anything to do with that. We don't want, you know, the, there might've been witches there might mm-hmm. perform their spoken word or whatever, but like you weren't, you weren't afraid of that and you weren't afraid of letting light be next to darkness mm-hmm. and just see what happens. And uh, it was really beautiful to see light shine in that environment and see Mm -hmm. how people were touched and have conversations afterwards and things. And Jasmine Tate's done some similar stuff. So I'd love to hear, like, uh, you know, could you just share uh, some of your favorite stories from that? Like what some of the most impactful or even what led you to do what you did? um and and to those nights yeah um, but we'll we're gonna jump into that after that'll be in the next episode so i'm gonna go ahead and close this out um so thank you so much for this first half man thank um, you this has been fun this is great uh, yeah so if you're if you're listening to this and this has impacted you in any way i just please share this with your friends send it to your grandma post on social media do all the things uh, get this podcast out there because there's people who need to hear this conversation. There's people that uh, will get permission to go after the things in their heart by listening to this and uh, and hopefully encounter Jesus more. So uh, please please like and share, do all, all the things on social media. And then if you're interested in supporting uh, what, what we're doing with this podcast, you can go to firemovement.com slash support. There you can do a one-time or monthly gift. And thank you so much for those who are currently uh, monthly givers or have given at all. Like, thank you guys so much. It's um, it's actually helping me grow the podcast. It's helping me grow some of the things that we're doing, and there's exciting things ahead. So I appreciate it. And uh, and always uh, share testimonies with us. If if this has impacted you in any way, go to firemovement.com. You, there you can send us a message, or you can go to Encounter Fire on Instagram and you can uh, DM me and let me know how this has impacted you. So until next time, this has been the fire podcast.